Hi guys, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Again, it's a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. Uh, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Uh, we have a special guest on the episode uh, today. Before I let him introduce himself, just a couple quick uh, reminders. Um, make sure you follow the podcast. Um, you can follow it on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, uh, on Pinterest for you, you pinners out there. Um, and also you can find it anywhere you can get your podcast with the audio. So iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, etc. And if you would like to watch the video portion uh, of the podcast, uh, you can also find when the scriptures become real uh, on YouTube as well. So we ask that you like uh, and subscribe there. And so, again, before we get started, we have a special guest again on this podcast, and I'd like to have him introduce himself to you guys. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Caleb Rutherford. I'm a 2017 graduate of the Memphis School of Preaching. I am currently working as the youth minister for the Warner's Chapel Church of Christ. I've been there ever since I've been out of school, so coming up on two and a half years now. I'm married. We just hit two years uh, this December. Her name is Kaylin, um, and we are plugging right along and doing our work, trying to do all we can do for the Lord. Um, I will. I do want to preface this by saying this. I'm not in my home right now by the Rangers stadium and the Longhorns thing right there. This is my father-in-law's um, office. And so I by no means am a Texas fan of anything. Preaching. I realize I'm wearing a Dallas sweater. I'm a Luca fan. So shout out to Luca Doncic, but um, just, just so you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a Dallas fan, especially not a Rangers fan. Go Cardinals. Um, but no, I'm just grateful to be on the show. Uh, appreciate Jordan and his love for the word. And I'm glad to be on the podcast today. Uh, this is my guy, Caleb. I'm, we, we've known him since I can't even remember, bro. Like, I think before I was ten, maybe nine, ten years old, going to yeah. camp together. Yep. Started at camp. Started at camp. Uh, then we grew up together. You know, went to youth events and lectureships and uh, PTP. Then eventually we went to the Memphis School of Preaching together. Uh, you know, like Caleb mentioned in his podcast when I was a guest. You know, we've gone through you know ups and downs together, and you know I appreciate him and uh, all the things that he's done, um, and also. I appreciate that he's repping the Cardinals. You know, make sure you give the, give it a shout out. That's you know, right. Definitely not any any Rangers things here. So hopefully, Kalen <laughs> doesn't see this. <laughs> but I appreciate Caleb being on today. Um, glad to, glad know, to be here, Caleb. The topic we're going to talk about uh, it's called "This Will Kill You," and so you know, <laughs> it might sound whoa, you guys got kind of dark. You know, you guys are you were, <laughs> it was all good. Now you got dark. You know, this right. will kill you. What are you talking about? Well, we're talking about something that. I think all of us can relate to in the sense of this idea of, of worry and worrying about things, you know, worry, concern, but then also as Christians, we need to have the ability to give those things up or cast those things, those things onto the Lord. And when we talk about this will kill you, a lot of us sometimes, and myself is included when you're in a situation or when you have a problem or when something's wrong in your life, especially for us guys, uh, not to exclude women, but specifically for us as well. When things don't go right, we feel like we have to fix it or we feel as if we have to take action or we feel like we have to say something or we feel like we have to defend ourselves or do something because it's hard for us to just sit and not do anything about the situation. But what we're going to talk about today is the, the Lord requires us to have this level of stillness to have this level of patience and to have this level of trust in him that if we find ourselves in these situations where we've done the best we can or the the best we could, and there's nothing else we can do to be comfortable with letting the Lord take over the situation that was once yours. And I think this, this idea of worry, um, a lot of us can relate to. Yeah, definitely. You know, when I, when I picture this, this topic of worry, when I think about this idea of worrying, and this idea of anxiety and kind of not knowing what's going on, it brings to mind, you know, kind of the picture of like a cartoon and there, you know, you see like the sweat beads falling off and they're like biting their nails or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and oftentimes it's because, you know, there's a certain situation or something that's going on um, and whatever's going on around them. And it's a situation that's presented itself and whoever it is, the, the person, the cartoon, whatever it is, um, they have no control over the situation. And I think not, I think going into something and not having control over it, really kind of like scares people. It kind of freaks people yeah. out. 
because they feel like I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I can, you know, make the outcome this or that. And not knowing that and not having that control really scares people. Um, and I think a lot of this goes back to kind of your topic of, of waiting on the Lord um, that you did uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, and I think about Isaiah 40 and verse 31. Um, um, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew mm. their strength. Yeah. They shall matter with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Um, and you think, you know, why do people worry? And I think because oftentimes it's because we feel like we have to, like you mentioned, we have to do it ourselves. We have to keep everything on ourselves. We have to fix it ourselves. We can't ask for help. Um, and yet when you look at Isaiah 40 and verse 31, it talks about waiting on the Lord, putting our trust and our faith and our hope in him because we know everything will work out in his timing, not in yeah. ours. And that just shows that we need to trust and rely and put our faith in our God and Father in heaven. Yeah, and, you know, we're talking about these sports examples. You know, you shouted out Luca. Right. <laughs> you know, we're, we're giving all these sports examples, but I'm bringing in this coach. You know, Coach Saban, I watched one of his, uh, you know, interviews that he talked to the team. And this is when they were out of contention. So, you know, they can't at this point right. go to the national championship for this year. And he said, this is what a lot of people are going to do. He said, some people in life, they focus so much on outcomes that the journey ends up being wasted because they focus too much on what can't happen. Right. So specifically right now, they're going to play Michigan in January. Even if they win that game, they can't go to the national championship game. Right. So he's saying, this is what you could either do is that you could either prepare this week, like we're going to play the national championship game, or you could prepare this week, like nothing's going to happen and it will show on January 5th or whenever we play. Sure. And so the thing about our Christian walk, Caleb, I think sometimes, like you say, because we can't sometimes control the outcome, we, we let that affect the journey and our journey with the Lord. And Absolutely. so therefore then we end up leaving from him. I think of, um, I think of Abraham, you know, we talked about this before in your podcast, you know, from Genesis 12, you know, he was promised a son. And, you know, at that time, you know, he's walking with the Lord, but year after year, after year, after year passes by, man, there's nothing here. So Abram and Sarah were so focused on the outcome of the son that they messed up their own journey. Absolutely. And so I think sometimes, you know, worry allows us to, um, eventually it allows us to run ahead of, ahead of God when he wants us right there next to him. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think so many times we try to outrun the plan that God has for us. Yeah. And oftentimes when we do that, what happens? We make a mistake. Mess it up. We, we mess it all up. Exactly. Yeah. And the, you look at Abraham. That's exactly what happened. And you think about how the fact that they had Ishmael, that was not the promised son. And look at all the problems and things that came out of that. Because like you said, he didn't, it's not necessarily enjoying the process, but, right. in, but enduring the process and having that faith to go through it. And because he didn't have that faith and trust in God to go do that, he messed it up. Um, not that, not that he messed up in a sense, the plan that God had for him, because obviously we know that God's will will be done no matter what, but he created some issues and problems simply because he didn't wait and trust in the Lord. And I, I can't, you know, I'm sure that he, that there were times where he was like, you know, Sarah, what's going on? Yeah. I'm worried about this, you know, and I'm sure he was. And I, and I can't, you know, I can't say that I wouldn't be the same if I were in his situation, but um, it just shows, I think a lack of trust and faith that he had in God. But obviously we know that that would be built up over time because you think about when he had his son, God told him to go sacrifice him on the mountain. What did he do? Well, it was his faith he and did trust it. in God that he was going to go do what he needed to do. And so obviously you can see his growth. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, but I think, at that instance in Genesis chapter 12 and on, um, you can see how it, he had a lack of, of trust in God and how his worry in a sense kind of overtook him. And I, and I think a lot of uh, myself included and a lot of uh, our listeners can relate to this um, because I worry a lot as well, you know, and I know some of our listeners do, but you know, in order, before we get into it, let's kind of define what worry is. So in Webster's dictionary, worry is defined as allowing one's mind to dwell on the difficulties and troubles of one's life. So you think about this concept of worry when you have a situation and you allow it to dwell on your mind, you dwell on the difficulties, you dwell on the troubles. Once you do that, you automatically stagnate yourself because at any point in time in life in general, when you dwell on a certain thing, like, again, we're going to use the sports example being point guards and being two guards, if you dwell on a play that you didn't do it right, if you keep dwelling on it, you're going to do it again. 
And so a lot of, I remember our coaches always told us, you need to have a short-term memory. You make a mistake, forget it ever happened. Do it again, do it again, do it again. Right. So when you dwell on something negative, and that's why I think Caleb for the Christian, the mind is so powerful, you know, and no wonder in Proverbs and Psalms and Ephesians, it always speaks about the heart, which is referenced as the mind for the Christian, because the Lord knows if you dwell on certain things in your life, that's exactly where Satan wants you. Sure. And when you're not worrying, then therefore you're not trusting me. So just like Abraham and others, then you'll run ahead of me. And then you'll have to learn through the school of hard knocks rather than learning my way. Right. And so, you know, this idea of dwelling on it, you know, I think of first uh, Peter chapter five, you know, verse number seven, when it talks about casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. So how am I going to cast my care upon him? If I still feel like, all right, Lord, I'm gonna give you 70% of this, but just in case you don't do anything, or if you do something, I don't like it, I'll keep the other 30% and then I'll do something. Sure. And so, you know, we can't, you know, play this game of give and take with the Lord. It's either we trust him 100% or we're just going to do it our way. Right. Well, I want to go back to something you mentioned too about um, when you talked about, you know, how oftentimes when, I think a lot of times we sin and we make mistakes and then we worry, you yeah. know, does, does God, you know, has he truly forgiven me? And there's so many things that we can worry about, but I think about, and I, it's, it's, it's an awesome study. If you do, if you go through the book of Isaiah and you can look at how, I think there's three different instances where God talks about the sins that we, that we, that we commit and then what he does with those sins when we're done. And he talks mm-hmm. about how he casts them away from him. And I think a second example is he talks about how he puts them behind his back. And then I think the third one is he says he remembers them no more. So yeah. it, it, it's awesome to know that when we sin and we do make mistakes, we don't have to worry about those things anymore. You know, and like you said, you talked about, you know, the athletes. You think about the greats, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, you know, these guys who oftentimes, probably more often than not, they missed that game-winning shot or they made that mistake that cost them the game. But what did they do the next game? They went out and they did what they were supposed to do. They did the exact exact same thing, but they did it the right way. And it's because of that short-term memory. They forgot about those things. And that's the way God is with us. He forgets those things that we have done if we confess our sins to him, 1 John chapter 1. And so I think it's it's an awesome lesson for us to learn in that, you know, we need to make sure we trust in God to know that he's going to forget those things that we've we've committed if if we confess those things and ask God for forgiveness. And then we don't have to worry about him anymore. And, yeah. and what, a, what a blessing that is to not have yeah. to carry that, that baggage continually with us, you know, because if God forgets it, then who are we to say that we ought to remember those things? You know, we should be people who forget those things as well. Yeah. So I think that's a great lesson to, to learn and not worrying about those kinds of things. Right. And, you know, also, Caleb, I want to go back to this idea of uh, cast your care. If you look at verse number six of that same chapter, the Bible tells us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he might exalt you in due time. You know, I heard a sermon yesterday and the preacher uh, brought up uh, living a pure life, you know, with the Lord. And he said, sometimes we get so down on ourselves of what we've done or what we used to do um, that we think the Lord can't accept us. And he said this, he said, even if from my inception until however old he is now, he said, even if I lived a pure, I could not live a pure enough life to please the Lord. He said, I'm going to make mistakes. And he knows that. But the thing that the Lord wants is that sin that, um, that was in my life, what I used to do, who I used to be, what I used to say. He said, that sin humbles me under the mighty hand of God, because me sinning in my past shows me that I'm so reliant on him rather than being reliant on myself. So when we talk about humbling ourselves, under his mighty hand. I think some people see humbleness as an attitude, which it is, you know, everyone should be humble in attitude, but I think humble here is an action knowing that there's nothing that I could do. There's nothing I could say um, that will, you know, in a sense, make me worthy. There's, there's nothing I could do or say because I'm not worthy, but the Lord through his son has made me worthy So therefore, I will humble myself under his mighty hand, and he can lift an unworthy person like myself up. You know, you think about him, and he brought up Paul. You think about Paul. You know, he told 
many people in, in the Corinthian letter, you know, in the Ephesian letter, you know, of, of all sinners, I am chief. Mm-hmm. But he also, Paul also acknowledged his past, but he also acknowledged who he was. Right. That, but I am an apostle, though. Right. Yes, I am chief of sinners, but don't don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm. The Lord does recognize me as an apostle. The Lord recognizes right. me as a priest. Right. He recognizes me as a preacher, you know. Sure. And and he, he saw that transformation that took place, you know, from, from Paul going from, you know, one of the chief Pharisees who was dragging people out of their homes and killing them because they were Christians yep. to someone who is being, you know, persecuted and being beaten and being stoned because he was a Christian. And so it's, it's amazing to see that transformation. I think you're right. A lot of this, and I think a lot of that goes back to this idea of humbling himself under God. You know, he could have, you know, he, he could have been someone who was just so arrogant about all the things that he's been through. You look at Second Corinthians uh, chapter 11 and you think yep. about um, all of the things he went through. He could have talked about how he was all these things he's endured for God, all these persecutions he went through, all these stoning shipwrecks, all this stuff. And that but that's not why he lists it. He lists it to show you're going to go through persecutions. So there's going to be things you're going to have to endure. But once you do those things, you're going to be able to say, you know, I've been faithful to God. God knows that. And I'm going to receive that reward in the end. And I think that's a big reason as to why he wrote that. Um, because you, uh, the, you look at verse six, uh, first Peter chapter five, it's the end, it says, at the end, it says he may exalt you in due time. Mm. A lot of times, you know, when you do something, you, you want that reward for it. Yeah. But a lot of times it doesn't come when you want it. Right. You, you wish you'd have it right now. Um, but it says he may exalt you in due time. Not, not in, <laughs> He says, you may exalt you in due time, not in you time. How about that? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't, he, it's not when, not when you think you need it, but when he knows you're going to, you're going to, you know, to be able to, to handle it and whether it be something here on this earth or ultimately it's going to be that home in heaven with God. And that's why we do the things that we do. Obviously, you know, we stay humble and we cast our care upon God, verse seven, um, because we're going to try to make it towards that heavenly home. And I think when you look at verse seven, it talks about casting all your care upon him. And I think you mentioned this a moment ago. It's not just something that you can just, I'm just going to throw half here and keep half on myself or yeah. give you a little bit and keep a little bit for myself. It's all of it. And that's, that's the way it is. I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm sure you have, but Christianity is like an all in or all out type of thing. You know, yeah. you're either all in or you're all out. You're either putting a hundred percent in or you're putting a, giving a hundred percent you know, to yourself and to the world. And the same things with prayer and with this idea of worry, you're either going to give it all to God or you're going to keep it all to yourself. Because in all reality, when you're saying that you're giving half to God and half to yourself, you're really not giving anything to God at all. Yep. And you know, Caleb, I find myself at times, um, like Abraham, I find myself um, waiting uh, up to a point. So you kind of, um, you kind of give God your own timetable. Right. So if I'm waiting for this or waiting for that or wanting this, so if I'm waiting for it and like Abraham, 10 years passes by, all right, Lord, I'll give you 10 years to work. I give him 10 years. Nothing happens in 10 years. All right, cool. So therefore, in our human minds, we think, well, God, you know, you're showing me that you don't care about this situation. So I'll try to do something. And so you'll, you'll give God a certain amount of time. But then when that doesn't happen in your time, all right, now I'll go. Mm-hmm. And I think that that attitude that you brought up of the Lord will do it in due time. I think that's, and this is why this will kill you. Because you have no idea when the Lord's due time is. Sure. And that's the worst part about it all. Because when you give, uh, when you give everything to the Lord, you have no idea when he's going to act. And I think, about, um, I think about Joseph, you know, in the book of Genesis. Think about everything he went through, man. He's done nothing. I mean, other than maybe a little boasting to his brothers about how you're going to bow to me later. Right. But other than that, you know, there's certain lessons that Joseph did have to learn, but think about when he was in jail. Think about when he was a slave, you know, think about when he was forgotten about for two years, you know, how many times could Joseph could have been, you know what, Lord, why am I here? What are you doing? Joseph could have did anything he wanted, sure, but he always waited in every instance that he found himself. And then like uh, Peter talks about, then he was exalted to second in command in Egypt, which is insane you know we kind of gloss over that but that's that's kind of crazy to think about that yeah but you know this this idea of concern i think we need to um kind of talk about this idea of what concern and worry is you know so maybe some of our listeners caleb are asking okay so y'all are talking about waiting on the lord you know you're talking about okay trusting the lord right which is great so are you saying that in my specific situation 
that the Lord wants me to do nothing. Is, is that what you guys are saying? No, we're not saying not doing anything because like with Case and his, in our podcast with Case, waiting is active. Waiting is never passive right. when it talks about the scripture. But concern uh, is kind of defined as doing something constructive about the situation. So what's constructive? You know, prayer is constructive in a situation. I think that's the first person you should, you should, uh, you know, the first thing that you should do in any situation is prayer, whether it's a new relationship, whether it's a new job, whether it's a new area, you know, maybe becoming a father, become whatever situation prayer should be first, you know, then growth, uh, you know, obviously that comes with prayer and then acting with kindness, you know, in certain situations, you know, I think sometimes Caleb, we think we have to do so much in order for a situation to work in our favor. You know, the Lord just says, you know, be still, you know, and know that I am God. Right. Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, when I think when we don't do this, I think, and I've, we've said it before, I'm, it all falls back onto this lack of trust and faith that we have in our God. You know, we don't, it means that we don't feel confident in relying upon our father in heaven. And again, as for men, it's one of those ideas. You don't want to have to rely on anybody. You want to yep. have to just be able to do it yourself, you know, but you know, I'm reminded of, I think about first Kings chapter 18. Okay. You think about Elijah and the prophets of Baal, right? Elijah is literally standing there. And this goes back to um, kind of what you were saying uh, when you're in your podcast with, with Lima. Um, but it's this idea of being alone. He had no one else there with him. Yeah. It was him against the uh, hundreds of prophets of Baal. Um, yet he didn't worry. He didn't, you know, he didn't lose faith. He didn't lose his trust in God. He knew that God was going to take care of him. And I think about Proverbs 3, um, 5, and 6, he said, where the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. And then yeah. he says in verse 6, acknowledge him in all your ways and he shall direct your paths. You know, do you ever, are there ever times in your life where you feel lost? Absolutely. Sometimes you feel like you have no idea where to go. Sometimes it feels like everywhere you turn is a shut door, that God's not helping you. He's not opening up anything for you and that everything seems to be turning into a dead end. Are you trusting in the Lord? <laughs> yeah. Or are you trying to go ahead of the plan and do it yourself? Because if you trust in the Lord, he's going to do what? He'll acknowledge, he'll acknowledge you and he'll, he'll direct your paths because John 14 and verse six, he's the way, the truth and the life. And so if you want to know where to go, trust in him and he's going to help you get to where you need to be. Yeah. And I love that idea you brought up of as guys, sometimes we don't want to trust anybody. We don't want any help, Right. but we're, I'm good. Right. You know, I, I had, and this is kind of the curse of being competitive and being an athlete. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, former one, because you know, in certain situations, you know, specifically when I left the school of preaching after, you know, the, the two years when I was working and, and doing other things uh, back here at home, I had this attitude where, all right, other than my closer friends, like, you, you know, yourself and other people, my immediate family, it's me against the world. I'm mm -hmm. nobody. Sure. I'm not trusting nobody. I'm good. It's going to be me, the Lord and my closest friends. That's it. I'm good. And so I had this attitude of, um, I was trying to direct my own steps. I had this attitude of, I don't need any help. I don't want any help. I don't want anybody's help. I'm, I'm not giving help. I'm good. But the Lord had to humble me in certain situations to say, if you want to exceed, you're going to need my help first. Then you're going to need, you know, your brethren's help, you know, your parents' help. You're going to need so many other people's help because you're not going to get where I want you to go by yourself. It's not going right. to happen. Right. And I, I heard... Oh, really? Yeah. I was. I think. I think there's a reason why the church is the way that it is. Yeah. Because they, we are there as a family to help one another get to where we need to be. You know, as a reason why when you look at the Memphis School of Preaching, obviously there's multiple reasons, but there's a reason why there's multiple people in one class. Yeah. Just to help each other get through those difficult times. Um. Uh. You know, whenever you're down, you're discouraged, and things like that. You rely on, obviously, you said God, but then you rely on your brothers and sisters, man. Yeah. You know, those are the people that are there. Your goal is the same, you're running the same race, and your end goal is the same, and we're there to help each other. And so I, it's so important to make sure um, you surround yourself with the right kind of people. And obviously, that's another topic for another day. Yeah. Uh, but it's so important that you, you know, you're with the right kind of people. You, you're making your, you know, your closest and strongest relationships with those who are within the church because ultimately – they're going to be the ones to help you get to where it ultimately matters in life. And that is someone who's faithful to God and serving him. Um, so it's so important that, that we look at the church that way. And then we look at people, um, you know, as the people who are going to help us to get to where we need to be. Yeah. And you know, one thing about trusting in the Lord, you know, in the sports world, 
technically you can do things by yourself. Right. You know, you know, obviously you have team games, basketball is a team game, but I think, you know, specifically with basketball, you know, tennis, it's you against the opponent. Mm -hmm. And if you're stronger, if you're faster, if you're smarter, you will win. You know, if you have more heart, you will win. So in that sense, you can do things by yourself, but in the spiritual realm, you cannot succeed. Well, you can succeed because you have the Lord with you, but it's designed for you not to do it by yourself. Right. Christian, like you said, it's designed for you not to do it by yourself. You know, you think about, you remember, uh, I don't know if we saw this over here in school. You remember that movie, Logan, you know, the, the last, uh, Wolverine yeah. movie that came right. out, you know, at one point I was like, you know what, I'm going to be like Logan. I'm gonna have a house in a, <laughs> in a log cabin. I'm going to build a fire every night and sit there with my dog and eat whatever at the fire, you know, <laughs> right. but I was like, you know, we can't, you can't do this Christian life by yourself. You know, you need that encouragement from your brethren, but you also need to be able to be submissive enough to walk under the mighty hand of God, because where God leads you, sometimes he may ask you to do things that are uncomfortable. You know, he may ask you to be in situations that aren't the most fun, but what he will do is, and I know you'll mention this later, you know, with examples like Daniel, but what he will do is he will be there while you go through that struggle. And that's what I had to realize. And that was the biggest lesson that I missed was even though these trials may be tough, someone is still there. The Lord is there. Your brethren are there. Even when it feels like no one else is right. Someone else is always there. And yeah. obviously the Lord ultimately will always be there. Right. And, you you know, know, go, ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. I was saying, you know, when you talk about the idea of team, there, there's what is, the coaches always say, there's no I in team, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's this thing that we have to do together, but we also have to be careful. We've talked about this before. You can also go to one one extreme to where you completely put your trust and faith in people. And like you've mentioned before, people will always let you down. And, right. you know, and the, the sad thing is Christians will too. Not on purpose sometimes. And sometimes they don't mean to. Sometimes they have the best intentions. But sometimes they make mistakes and do the wrong things. Um, so that shows us ultimately our faith and trust needs to be in God. And he's going to be the one to carry us through all these situations in life. Yeah, And, and I think this, this goes directly into our next thing that what I want to talk about is, okay, so Jordan and Caleb, you're talking about trusting in the Lord. You're talking about, okay, I can be concerned about it, but I can't do nothing about it. All right, I'm starting to get what y'all are saying, but here's my final question. Okay, so what if in a certain situation in my life, what if I've done everything possible, constructively possible to fix, to alleviate, to calm down the situation? So what if I prayed about it? What if I've continued to grow? What if I've acted kind with those in the situation and I'm like, what if I've done everything possible that I can do within me to help the situation and nothing helps now what do I do well you know in this book that I read about leaving self behind it mentions this the believer has a powerful weapon surrender you know when we think about surrender and war we think that's the weakest move ever or we think about it in sports we think that's a weak move to surrender or in life we think when someone gives up or when someone quits, it's the weakest move ever. Not necessarily. To surrender your will, now is the time to completely turn the situation over to God. And the surrender and the giving up of that situation is the hardest part. Because it's like this. If I was in a situation and I've done everything possible, and I said, Caleb, I've done everything I could in this situation. I'm going to give you all the information. And then I'm going to let you handle it. And I give it to Caleb. So if I go to sleep that night, what, what most likely am I probably still thinking about <laughs> that situation? Right. And so, you know, there, there's examples of, you know, I saw this experiment that said, all right, during this conversation in this room, no one in here think about an orange. And he said <laughs> it like five times. Do not think about any type of oranges. So throughout the entire hour, that class is in there. What's somebody thinking about? <laughs> you know, they're thinking about oranges. And so this is what God is saying. So, and this is why it's so hard. So you're telling me, God, the situation that's been haunting me, the situation that's been on my mind, you're telling me not to think about it. You're telling me to give it all to you. That's why this is so difficult of surrendering my will and transferring it to whatever God wants. Because the way I want things to turn out may not be the way that the Lord wants it to turn out. 
And so therefore this idea of giving it up, essentially surrendering it to the Lord in other men's eyes, you may seem weak, but in God's eyes, it takes, it takes strength and meekness and humility of a man to give up on a situation and let the Lord completely handle it. Right. Right. When you think, you know, you mentioned about sports teams and whatever, how they are like people in battle. So sometimes they can, they can, they can surrender, you know, throw up the white flag or whatever. Um, and you think about the reason they do that is because the opponent or whoever it is, is stronger and overpowering them. Right. Yep. Well, when we think about this idea with how we surrender our wills, our will to God, it's because God is stronger <laughs> and more powerful than we are. Yep. So we're going to allow them to take control of the situation. And I, it reminds me, and like you mentioned, we're going to get to this here. I thought I want to talk about just for just for a moment, um, an example of three individuals who were um, standing for what was right, even though no one else did. And we think about Daniel chapter three, and I want to read just a couple of verses here out of the book of Daniel and talk about how they surrendered their their will to God, even though the situation. You know, like if I was in their situation, I felt like I would have needed to try to take control of it because there's yep. no way that I could have escaped the situation. But obviously, and this, again, this is Old Testament time. So God worked in different ways than he does now. Um, but at that time, I, I still wonder what would my reaction have been, you know, if I had been in a situation like this. You know, I think about Daniel chapter three. If you, if you think about verse seven, the Bible says, so at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So notice first here, it says all people, all nations, all languages, okay? So there wasn't a single person here who didn't fall down mm. and do what king, what this king had asked him to do, okay? Now skip to verse 12. Paul says, there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. So basically, these officials have come to the king, and they're saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, you've set up this great image. You've filled all the nations, all the peoples, all the languages. Bow down and worship this image. But look, king, there's three <laughs> young men who haven't done this thing that you've asked. It, it reminds me of, like, siblings. They're like, I'm going to go tattle on you for not doing this. It's kind of like the situation, the, 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 the vision I'm getting. They're like, yeah. for you know, ways to tattle on people. Um, basically, they say, you know, what can we do? So skip to verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spoke to them saying, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my gods or worship the golden image which I've set up? So he brings them to him. He has this conversation with them. But then if you look at verse 16 and uh, 16 through 18, he says, or rather Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, they say to the king, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They said, we're not going to answer you. What are you talking about? Verse 17, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Can you just, uh, just imagine the magnitude of that phrase? Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O King. Verse 18, but if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. It is, it's so hard to wrap my mind around mm. this situation and the trust that they had in God yeah. in surrendering whatever happened to God because only one of two outcomes is going to happen. They're either going to go in this fire and they're going to be burned out. There's going to be nothing left of them or they're going to walk out somehow, you know, not with no damage or any harm come to them. And they're putting that in the hands Man. of God. Can you, the, the, the trust and the faith that it had, that they must have had, in order to do that and to talk to King Nebuchadnezzar and say, we're not going to answer you. We have no need to answer you. We don't answer to you. We answer to God. And so it, it's, it's amazing to just see the, the, the amount of how much they relied on God. You mm. know, they wouldn't conform to the ways of the world around them, to the ways of people who are around them. Skip down, if you skip down to verse 23, it says, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So they stood up for what was right. They did the right thing even when no one else did. They didn't worry about the situation that was going on around them, and they surrendered their will to God, and where did it get them? They got them bound hand and foot, thrown into a fiery furnace. And a lot of times in life, we feel the same way. Yep. We know we're doing right. We think you know, everyone else around us is not doing right. We're giving ourselves over to God, and what happens? We end up in the worst possible situation. But what happens? Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he arose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, 
Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered, said to the king, true, O king. Verse 25, he said, look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And so, you know, as Christians, and especially as as young people, we must be people who are willing to stand up for the things in which we believe, mm-hmm. not worrying about everyone else around us, um, and not being, not having this this type of fear, um, you know, that that many people in our world today do. And I want to I want to mention one more thing, and I'll and I'll, I'll I'll be quiet and let you continue on with your podcast. Well, <laughs> um, this is I'm taking notes. <laughs> but if you look at if you look at Second Timothy um, chapter uh, chapter one, the Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy. Keep in mind, he's writing to a young man here. Okay, so a very young man. Um, and I want us to look at chapter one and verse seven. Paul says to Timothy, Second Timothy one, and he says, "But for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." Okay, if you go back to the Greek language, that word fear, um, it's not the it's not the phobia kind of fear. That's not that word there, but it, it's it's not the it's not the idea of being scared or afraid or something. But it's the word delia, um, and it, and the word means being a coward or mm-hmm. being timid or being frightened. You're lacking courage. Okay, so what's Paul saying here? He's telling this young man, Timothy, that God's not given you a spirit or an attitude or a mindset that's timid, that's frightened, that, that's, that's going to be a coward. Um, you can't be a coward towards your Christianity and towards your faith. He says, Timothy, don't be someone who's scared and timid about your faith in God. Um, and in fact, if you, look at three, if you look three chapters later in chapter 4 and verse 2, what does he tell Timothy to do? 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word, preach the word. but when to do it, in season and out of season. So all the time. He says, don't be a coward. Don't be, don't be timid. Preach the word every single opportunity that you get, no matter what's going on around you. And I want to I show how important mm. this is, okay? Go to Revelation chapter 21. This is the last thing I'll mention here. If you go to the last book of the Bible, look at Revelation chapter 21. We know that John is the one who's writing. He's receiving all these signs, all these visions from God. We get to chapter 21. And you remember how he, he talked about heaven in verse 4, and he paints somewhat of a beautiful picture of what heaven is going to be like. But then if you jump down to verse 8, we're given this very stark contrast here. And are you reading out the King James? Yeah. Okay. Read, read the first three words of verse 8 from the King James. 21, 8, right? Yep. Revelation 21, verse 8. This is out of the King James Version. But the fearful. Okay. It says, but the fearful. Okay. <laughs> yeah. now, now, I'm going to read this out of the New King James. I'm going to read the first, the first three words. It says it's translated, but the cowardly. Okay. Mm-hmm. You want to guess what this word is in the Greek language? Same word. That same word, Delia. It's the same word that Paul told Timothy not to have. Don't have this spirit of this spirit and this mind of being a coward, of having this fear. That's how important it is. Because if we're cowards about our faith, if we fear about being a Christian in front of other people, if we have that mind and that attitude of being a coward about our Christianity, then look at what God says we're deserving of at the end of verse eight. They shall have their part in a lake which burns with fire and brimstone, Just which is a second death. death. It doesn't say that this might happen. It doesn't say it could happen. It says this will happen mm. to you if you're a coward about your faith, if you have this spirit of fear that Paul told Timothy not to have. And so I think it's so important for us to make sure that we're not fearless about our Christianity, that number one, we have our own faith. And then number two, we continue to grow that faith. We continue to strengthen our minds to not only be focused, but also to be fearless mm. about our faith in God. And I think, that, I think that goes right in with what we're talking about it'll eventually grow into us not worrying about those things. Right. We, when we place our faith, our trust in God, we don't worry about those things. We don't worry about the people around us, which in turn will help us not to be people who are cowards or timid about our faith and about being Christians. Okay. So you hit this up and I want to notice this. Going back to Daniel, talking about transferring your will to God's will. First of all, you know, imagine... You know, we're, we're putting all these sports references in here, but imagine in a stadium, man. And, you know, you know, sometimes they play games in the stadium, you know, kids, whoever's next to you, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But imagine they played a game in a stadium to where everybody stand up. And if you have this type of shirt on and you were the only one with that shirt on, everybody else sit down. Just imagine seeing rows of people just sitting down right. and you're the only one left. I remember dad saying the thing about Shavak, Meshach, and Abednego that's so impressive is none of them kind of, oh, let me tie my shoe real quick, guy. I'm still with y'all. I <laughs> right. am still with you, but let me tie my shoes and let me stay on bending knee real quick. No, no one, they were so bold in their faith that they stood up 
And the, th- the thing about they made the decision, they had, they had no idea. You know, we talked about this this game of Russian roulette. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they, were, they weren't playing. They knew. So they knew the outcome. So <laughs> faith roulette, you know, but, <laughs> you know, they knew no matter what happened, they were going to be with the Lord anyway. Right. And so when, when it said in verse uh, number 23, so after they made the decision, then they were bound and they were headed to the fire. Here's something about submitting your will to the Lord. And I'm starting to learn this, and I know Caleb has um, as well. When you submit your will to the Lord, you are telling God, I trust you to put me in any situation you want me to put, uh, you want me in. I trust you. We can look at Joseph. We can look at Job. We can look at Christ himself. Sometimes when you submit your will to God, submitting your will to him may lead you through fire. May he might lead you directly to a fire, but that's his will though. And that's what's so hard about submitting because we, we try to avoid that. So in order to avoid that will of God, then I'll do what I want to do so I can be comfortable. All right. You know, Christianity, like you said, it's not for the fearful. You know, I have to learn how to trust the Lord in fire in the, in the oasis of life and good times and bad times. And that's why this is, like we said, this will kill you because you have to make a choice every single day. Even if you don't understand what's happening, the Lord sees the bigger picture. This might hurt like anybody's business right now, but this hurt has to be for a reason. The Lord has to use this. You know, you think about Job, you know, he lost all of that stuff in an instant. And all his servants, hey, you lost this. Hey, you know, he couldn't even wrap his mind, his mind around what he lost. But the Bible describes Job as one who kept his integrity and he never cursed God. So even from the beginning, he showed that he trusted the Lord's will for his life. Mm-hmm. You know, in a book I was reading, um, I believe it's uh, by a sister in Christ, uh, Rosemary McKnight. And it was talking about learning to wait on the Lord. And she said something that was very you know, profound. I've always um, brought this up in, in times in my life. She said that in your life, health strain, financial strain, relationship strain, uh, breakup strain, tough time strain may be the exact prescription that the Lord wants you to ingest. I'll say, man, you know, that's, that's crazy. But the Lord wants you to trust him that I have you here now, but if you trust me, I will bring you here. You have to learn how to listen to me. Sure. I think so many times we fear the people in this world more than we fear God. Exactly. Um, and I think, I think, I think it's Matthew ten twenty eight um, talks about, you know, don't fear he who can kill the body, but rather fear him who can kill or destroy both body and body soul. And, and, hell. and so we need to really put that in pers- into perspective and, Think about the fact that, you know, we don't need to fear people necessarily in this world, but rather we need to have more, our fear for God needs to be so much more and that, you know, we don't worry about what's going to happen to us in this life, just as long as we're doing the right kind of things and that we need to make sure that, um, that, that we're following after what God has told us to do uh, in this, in this life. You know, and I want to bring this up really quick before I go to my last verse, you know, Jesus, Jesus is described as the great shepherd. And we are described as, as the sheep. You know, you can look at that example, you know, of the lost sheep in Luke 15, you yeah. know, one through eight. You know, you can look at that example, you know, and I remember, you remember studying this in school, um, a shepherd looks at Psalm 23 mm-hmm. in Psalms class. Oh, yeah. yep. I was just reading that book the other day. That's such a good book. Yeah, man. I would recommend you all. It's like three bucks on Amazon. Yeah. It's by Philip Keller. You can get on yeah, Amazon. Yeah. Um, it is, it's fantastic. It's incredible. But you think about, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, you think about when a shepherd leads his sheep up to the top of a mountain, he, the the shepherd in the book that was a shepherd in real life, he said the shepherd intentionally takes him through valleys. Right. Because the valley to the sheep, it's just a valley. They don't want to go through it because you have the opportunity to fall because valleys are narrow. You have the opportunity to, to get stuck in rocks. So it's not the most fun way to get up to the top of the mountain. 
But the shepherd knows that going through the valley of a mountain is the best way to get to the top. If you go around, it's not the best way. Right. If you go around, the, the only way to get to the top of a mountain is through the valley. And so if you notice in Psalm 23, he says in verse four, yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so this idea of trading your will for God's will, it's literally as the sheep trusting the shepherd through the valley, because going through the valley for us, it's not like I would choose tomorrow. Hey, I want to go through this valley. Right. But the shepherd knows that if Jordan and Caleb go through this valley, I will help them to get to the top. Now, this valley may not be fun, and this valley may last for a long time. But he has to trust me that this valley won't last forever. Mm -hmm. He's got to be able to get to the top. And that's when it talks about transferring your will. That's why it's, it's difficult for us as sheep. Because as sheep, we want to do what we want to do. But as the shepherd, we have to trust him that he has, he knows the exact way to bring us to the top of the mountain. And eventually that, that's heaven. Right. And when you think about, and I'm reading, and reading through that book, you can, he talks about how during those times, during those summer months when they are traveling and moving around and going to different places, the sheep must solely rely upon the shepherd. There's yeah. no one else out there. And the shepherd knows that. And so the shepherd's going to do whatever it is necessary in order to protect those sheep. But those sheep have to learn to trust in the shepherd. Yep. And that's us. There is no one else in this world that we can rely on and trust in more than we ought to on God. Because he's the one who's going to get us through those situations. And I think it's, it's this idea of growth. You know, it, it's, it's kind of like growing pains. You know, nobody likes growing pains, right? It's hard. It's not fun. It's difficult. It's not easy. But when you look at it and you step back and look at it in retrospect, it's rewarding. Right. And you think, I think about Luke 2, verse 52. So the Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We're talking about Jesus Christ here, okay? the very son of God. And yet when he came to this earth to be a man, what did it say? He had to grow too. Mm -hmm. He had to increase. Uh, and so it just shows us it, there's all, we can always be better at, at this, this idea of not worrying and trusting in God and putting our faith in him. We can always get better at it. And so I think it just shows us the amount of trust and faith that we need to put in God <clears throat> and not put in those, in the people in this world and the things of this world. Um, and like Jesus, we need to increase in wisdom and stature always and always growing um, and putting our faith in, open, in him. You know, and talk about Psalm 23. I think we're going to do a podcast on that. So I might have to recruit you. Hey, we'll, let's we'll do, do it, That would be awesome to go, to go through that. Let's do it. Psalm 23. I'd love it. That's happening. So look out for <laughs> for Psalm twenty three podcast. That's gonna be we that might to, be that might be like a series because we got yeah, a lot of stuff on that. Yeah, one. that's gonna have to be a series. We can't keep it in one. No. Yeah. But but if you look at Psalm thirty seven, and here's the last thing I want to mention. We're talking about, you know, you know, transferring your will to God's will. The Lord here, you know, David is talking about certain things that the Lord wants us to do. So, you know, the Lord wants us to trust in him at all times. Uh, the Lord wants us to do good. The Lord wants us to like to delight ourselves in him, to commit our way to him. But in verse number seven of Psalm 37, this is the difficult portion. This is the part that will kill you. Rest in the Lord. Now, when we think of the word rest, I think about rest as a vacation. I think of rest as if I did something hard, if I did a hard work, if I just got done doing this, I want to sit down and not do anything. I want to go comatose, sit here, put the game on, give me a glass of lemonade. I'm not thinking right. about anything else in this world, right? but whatever's on TV. You think about that as rest, but rest here, um, it means to, to be well satisfied that the Lord will make all the things in our life work out for us, even though we don't know how it's going to happen. And so imagine you have a situation that's in your mind for a while and the Lord says, give it to me. So you're literally sitting there and you're thinking about, okay, I'm not thinking about this situation, but I'm thinking about, and I'm focusing on what the Lord's going to do with me next rather than dwelling because what was the definition of worry to dwell on difficulty and trouble. So the Lord says, instead of dwelling on stress, 
instead of dwelling on worry, instead of dwelling on fretting, I want you to try faith. I want you to try hope. And I want you to try prayer. And all of those things, faith, hope, and prayer are all under the umbrella of rest. And so rest is also active in the scripture. Rest is not just, all right, Lord, I gave it to you. I'm going to do absolutely nothing about it now. Right. Rest is, I can still pray about it. You know, I can still have faith that, and faith is active as we all know, Mm -hmm. and I can still hope and that's active. And so you're hoping and praying and have faith that the Lord will help you through. And if you keep reading the verse, it says, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. But notice the next couple of phrases, fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way. Now, this is the part that's difficult for people like myself. Uh, again, I used this example before, but I was the kid in, uh, in middle school and in, you know, in elementary school where if we all got snacks and they're passing out jelly beans and I've got 13 and I look at Caleb <laughs> and he's got 16 and he's got all the colors that I wanted. Right. Instead of being satisfied with my 13, I eat my 13 and I'm looking at Caleb 16. Right. Because, well, why, why does he have three more than I do? Or how come he has this and I don't have this? Right. You see, instead of, and this is what, um, what Satan allows us to do, especially with other Christians. When you look at other people and see what other people have and what you don't have, then you begin to fret. And fret leads to sin. Because you'll do anything you can to get what they got. Instead of fretting, the Lord says, I want you to be submissive. And that word to wait there in the text means to avoid murmur, avoid anger, and avoid doing anything rashly. And so you think about the children of Israel, Caleb, what were they known for? (laughs) They they were known for murmuring against Moses at all times. Right. But here, when when you wait on the Lord, and this is what's difficult as well, Even if the Lord has you wait 10, 15, 20 years for whatever you're waiting for, while you're waiting for it, he doesn't want you to murmur against them. It's been another year. Guess the Lord's not listening. Yeah. Man, it's been another this. Lord, well, that didn't work. So I guess the Lord doesn't want this. You know, instead of murmuring, the Lord says, rest and wait and keep working. Keep doing what I told you to do, and I will provide. And that's that's what's so hard about transfer, and we're talking, and we're using this word transfer our will, because you have to be okay with the Lord doing whatever He wants with your life, and whatever He wants may not be what you want, and that's what's so hard. Right. Yeah. And to kind of piggyback off of that, I think about the great invitation that that Jesus gives in Matthew eleven twenty through thirty. He talks about He says, "Come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will do what." give you rest. I will give you rest. Yep. But then he doesn't say, um, you know, and then, you know, worry and fret about all these things are going to happen. He says, I will give you rest. But then if you go back to what you're talking about in Psalm 37, seven, rest in the Lord and do what? Wait. And wait. But how are you supposed to wait? Patiently. Patiently. And I think so many times we forget about this, this idea of patiently waiting. We yep. wait, but we wait. And we're like, it's like, it's like the kid that's, that annoys their dad. They're like, Hey dad, 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 you know? <laughs> We, we, we cannot do that to God yeah. and that be patiently waiting. You have to wait for him to do it in his own time yeah. because we've always, we've got to remember that God is our creator. He knows what's best for us. And it's so hard for us sometimes to understand that because we want everything in our own time and do it in our own way. But we've got to know God's, God's going to, God knows what's best for us. He knows, you know, when we need what we need. And so we need to make sure we're waiting patiently for him. We're not fretting. We're not running around worried about what's going to happen and when this is going to happen and who's done this and who's done that. We're going to trust in God and know he's going to take care of us. Um, and I think it's interesting when you look at the end of that verse, it says because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, mm. you know, we don't, men have all kinds of ideas of how they ought to do things and how they need to do things. Um, but it was, you say their wicked schemes, they're going to come to pass. It won't happen. It won't, it won't be of anything. You know, yeah. we're going to trust in God. God's going to be the one ultimately who delivers us and, and puts us in the situations that we need to be in. And then I think back to the end of Matthew 11, um, you know, when we have burdens and worries, where do we go? We take them to the Lord. Take to the Lord. When we want rest, where do we go? We go to the Lord. When we be, when we become p- people who are gentle and who are humble, where do we go? We go to the Lord. I think that's so important for us to know, to, to note that we need to make sure we're taking all of our burdens and all of our 
you know, everything that, that bear, that weighs us down, we're taking it to the Lord and he's ultimately going to take care of us. Yeah. And here's the last thing I wanted to mention, Caleb. And I think this is a lesson that I've learned uh, up to this point in my life. And I hope this can help others. You know, Caleb, when you think about, um, you know, sports, you know, we play basketball. I don't know about you, but I didn't play for stats. I didn't play for, I played for championships. I played for hardware. You know, I wanted, I wanted rings. I wanted trophies, whatever was there to get. That's what I played for. Yep. You know, and um, I heard Brett Favre before he won his first Super Bowl. um, He said he was in the tunnel and he said, man, you know, this is it. You know, this is the moment I've been waiting for since I was throwing the football, you know, with my dad in the backyard. He proceeds to go out there and ball, wins the wins the Super Bowl, and he said while I was up there with the with the Lombardi, he says it didn't feel as satisfying as I thought it would for so long, because I had my eyes so focused on the Lombardi that I wasn't grateful for the journey it took to get there. Sure. And so sometimes in life, don't focus on outcomes. And don't focus on, well, I won't be happy until this happens or until I get this or until I'm at this point in my life. Rather than focusing on the outcomes, be focused on growing through the journey. Because remember, what is this called? It's with the Lord. And that's my phone, right? That was dad calling. But it was, it's called a walk with the Lord. We're walking with him. And so, you know, you think about the championships that we've won. I don't think about the championship game. I think about every hard practice that it took to get there. Right. You know, I think about the fights that we had. I think about, you know, the crowds that hated us. I think about all that stuff. And that's what makes the championship sweet. Right. And so I believe it's a song uh, called Farther Along. I forget what verse it is, but it says, once we get there, all the trials here will seem as nothing. Then we'll walk through the pearly gates. Mm -hmm. And so don't focus so much on the outcome. And that's where worry comes from because you're focused on how it's going to work. Focus on walking with the Lord and he will help you get there and then you'll be able to appreciate it a little bit more. Right. You're exactly right. And I think, you know, I think man's greatest strength is his reliance upon almighty God and talking and talking men specifically, you know, it's this idea of submitting ourselves to God, surrendering our will to God. And so, you know, for guys who are listening, you know, specifically talking about single guys, the right kind of girl is going to be attracted to you when they see you submitting and surrendering to God, yep. not when you're trying to act, you know, like Superman and do everything yourself, but the right kind of person is going to be attracted to you when they see you relying upon God and putting your hope and your faith and your trust in him and knowing that he's going to take care of you and the right kind of people will see that and be attracted to that. Yeah. And, and that's, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because guys as well for us single guys, if there's a girl out there that, um, is always pressing you to fix things, mm-hmm. always pressing you. How come you didn't do this? You know, always press. That's not the one for you because you want someone like you, like Caleb said, you want someone that sees you submitting to God's will rather than hers and rather than yours. Right. Because she should know and you should know that whatever the Lord wants is best rather than what we want. And so then again, that's, that's what brings that great union. And so, you know, I'm so grateful that Caleb was uh, here with us on this podcast um, talking about, you know, this will kill you and transferring uh, your will to the Lord. And I think this is such a great topic. And I really enjoyed, you know, talking with Caleb on his on this podcast. And I'm so appreciative of of the work that he's continued to doing uh, where he is uh, in the North Carolina area. Yeah, man, it's been a blast. I appreciate you um, continuing to do your podcast. You got me into doing mine. And so I appreciate <laughs> Appreciate you having me on here. Uh, able to talk talk about this topic, man. Yeah, and Caleb, before we get out of here, is there? I know you have a podcast. There's some certain things that you want to plug in terms of social media and things like that. So, give you a second to do that. Yeah, definitely. If you guys enjoy what what Jordan does, I encourage you to go over and check out my podcast. I'm always looking for other podcasts to listen to, uh, just while I'm going on the road or different things like that. It's a great way to pass the time. Um, but yeah, we, um, I, I run the transform podcast. We are on, um, we're on Facebook at the transform podcast. You can look at us on Instagram at the underscore transformed underscore podcast. Check us out on Twitter, uh, transformed PDCT. Um, we're, and we are on a plethora of, uh, of platforms. We're on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, as well as Podbean. 
And so we'd love for you to check us out. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Let us know what you think. Um, give us any topic requests, anything. You can email us at thetransformpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we, yeah, we'd love to have you check us out. If you enjoy what Jordan's doing, we'll just, we just try to open up the word of God, study, study from it to see how we can better ourselves, um, see how we can, um, you know, become someone who is transformed uh, from someone who is out of this world to be someone who is transformed into doing whatever they can do for the cause of Almighty God. And what I'll also do, guys, is I'll also put Caleb's, um, I'll tag him on the Facebook posts um, and on the Instagram posts and all that. So you can have the link right there to go um, to the Transform Podcast and check that out. So again, guys, I'm appreciative of you guys listening. Uh, hopefully, I think I'll do one more uh, solo one before the year ends. And then we'll have some more guests and Caleb and other guys on uh, next year, Lord willing. So appreciate it. Thank you, guys.